There's a whole thing about how money makes the world go round. It's not true. Relationships do. Relationships make the world go round. Relationships make everything work better. Relationships are the reason why you can get a seat in a plane that's ostensibly full. The relationships are the reason why you can get a room in a hotel that is booked for the night. Relationships are how you move a mountain. Sadly, recruiters have been told relationships aren't important. These are people people, people who love people, who are inherently and intrinsically driven to build relationships. And we've told them, no, 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 exist with them only through the ATS, exist with them only through the resume. We don't need your relationship. That relationship has an end date anyway. The second we throw them away or hire them, that relationship is dead, which of course you know to be insane, but that's what we do. But relationships are how recruiters want to be. And as employer brand professionals, we can help them get there. We can make massive change by supporting their drive to relationships. And that's what we're going to talk about in just a second. We'll be right back. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Welcome to the TalentCast Season 2. Here we go again. It's the Talent Chooses You book, audiobook for free on a podcast as a sequel, as a, it's not a trilogy. It's, I don't know, it's, it's, we're doing it again. <laughs> we're doing it again. Um, I'm, I'm sharing this so that everybody has access, access to this for free. Um, and I, it's all sponsored by recruitmentmarketing.com who've kind of made this whole season possible. So we're, this is episode 11 of what I think is 27. So we're coming on halfway. So thanks for hanging in there with me. Thanks for sticking with this and enjoying this, hopefully. And uh, thanks for telling people about this. So with that, let's get into it. So this first section is called the world of relationships. You don't hold hands with strangers, which is a really weird title. I admit that. I'm sure that kind of made people go, what? Okay. Um, but here, let's, let's, let's dive right in. The kind of evolution that comes from embracing employer brand thinking is a shift that starts as a transactional driven recruiting model, you know, that, that putting butts in seats thing and becomes a relationship driven model. And while relationship driven may seem like a pleasant enough term, we need to see what it would mean for recruiters and how they approach their work and how it will impact hiring managers and the rest of the business, right? Most of modern recruiting relies on the post the job, review the applicants model of the recruiting. You cast the net, you scoop the net, you pick out the good stuff. And it works in so much as that it's always worked as a matter of convenience for the business. Where the job could be posted and reviewed asynchronously once a certain number of applications rolled in, in a world where having a job was the most important currency, job applications or job applicants were asked to follow the basic rules. Go watch that job board for openings. Go apply the way we told you to. Go wait days or weeks for the recruiter to go through the applications and identify the the potential candidates and treat the applicant like, like a complete and total stranger whose application is deeply suspect. It may take four to six weeks to screen and interview all the relevant applicants before deciding on one and offering a job to them. See how, I mean, in that entire process, the power sits with the recruiting side, with the business side. The candidate applies in a manner as they are told, attach a cover letter, send salary expectations, give references, complete this equal opportunity survey, blah, 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 right? They're, they're told what to do, they do the thing. And when, you're, when you look at that, in any world, you say the power dynamic says the power sits with a company, not with a candidate. They should expect to wait for days. They should expect to wait for weeks before given a blanket rejection statement that says nothing useful, nothing of value. God forbid they try and contact the recruiter before being contacted themselves or engage with any other part of the business or they'll be flagged as, oh, they're paying the butt. 
applicants do as they are told. They wait their turn while they are processed like grain through a mill, right? And aside from the fact that every book written in the last 30 years about job search recommends avoiding this entire process whenever humanly possible, right? Go, go, have you read a job search book lately? Maybe you should. They're fascinating things because all they say is avoid recruiting at all costs. Avoid the ATS, whatever you do. Build networks of people to help get your name to the hiring manager. Ask for referrals from people you know and people you don't know. Do everything you can to bypass the entire application and recruiting process because they are machines designed only to work for the company and they have all the power. And if you are going to circumvent and get your name in the right spot, if you're going to try and do it the way that might work, you got to avoid all that. you got to circumvent it all. Over the last decade, things have changed a bit, right? Try to dictate a process to someone who's an expert at your coding language or has years of success in the field and, and they just walk away. They're choosy. They get to be choosy. They've earned the right to be choosy. They get to ignore your process that exists only to serve you doesn't serve them. No one says, yay, I get to put my application in ATS. Yay, I get to make an account on Workday. Workday, what is up with that? Really, what is up with that? Um, and not just Workday. Sorry, I didn't mean to call it just Workday because there's plenty of other very popular a ATSs that force me to make an account for some reason. What is up with that? The end result is that the people being brought into the interview via the machine aren't the best talent. I'm going to say that again because I think it's kind of important. The machine that recruiting in the business has built over the last ever, <laughs> the ATS, the process, you apply for a job, you sit and you wait, you get screened, you get decided, blah, 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 does not choose the best talent. It's not a machine designed to create and select the best talent. The people who the machine wants are the people who follow the rules the best. They're the ones trolling job boards when you posted, who followed the rules and couldn't figure out a smarter way into that interview, right? There's a there's a joke here about having to pick from among people to who apply. It's like being, what's that joke about having your fate determined by people who couldn't figure out how to get out of jury duty, right? But th th there's a joke there. I'll let you put it together yourself. It's like an Ikea joke. Um, their talent isn't doing the job. The people we hire, we hire because their talent is in getting the job. And that's, uh, I mean, I see it. I know a lot of other people see it. I hope you see it. The machine we built is not there to get talent, even though we say it is. The machine is there to collect people who follow directions. There's a whole parallel about school and how school isn't about making you smarter. It's about teaching you to follow instructions. Someone, oh God, I'm in a blank. Was it Hans, the, the TED Talk Hans did? about education, about how the ultimate goal of education is to create a college professor, which makes no sense because we only need a handful of those relative to other jobs. Anyway, it's the same idea. When these people show up to the interview, you can tell in a heartbeat that most of them haven't given anything more than a cursory glance to your website or spend more than five minutes researching this you know, job or this role, right? Yet you as a recruiter maintain the facade that their lack of effort is acceptable so long as the person is qualified to put in front of the hiring manager. It's good enough. And you wonder why recruiting relationships and hiring manager relationships are so fraught. It makes recruiting a kind of, I don't know, a sitcom rerun 
where the same lines are repeated, the same jokes are repeated to the same people and nothing ever seems to change. The application, the applicant puts forth their best possible career history. The hiring manager keeps trying to peek behind it. No one knows much about either one of them because there's just not enough information on either side and forcing recruiters to do, I don't know, professional divining rods, predicting who's going to be a fit and who won't based on little more than a hunch. And it's no wonder not only that companies have 30% attrition for new hires, that their DEI sucks. They don't know what they're looking for. So consequently, they they bunt and they say, I want the person who looks and acts and sounds like me. It's the safest bet. Decisions are being based on nothing. And that is no way to run a railroad, especially if you're running a railroad. Recruiting in response has attempted to bend the process a bit, right? Texting as a means of communication to feel faster, more personable. An expectation of feedback from an interview at a handful of companies. Um, no commitment to black holes. And that is my favorite because by the way, every company thinks they aren't a black hole and every company is. Well, how do I know that? Because I've applied for jobs and I don't get responses from you. You think your system is sending an email and either it isn't sending it or it's landing in spam, but the effect is the same to a candidate. They didn't get the message. They got they got ghosted. They got black holed. And that's and you think you aren't, but have you tested it? Do you know what percentage of your emails, your rejection emails go into spam? Do you? I bet if you asked marketing what percentage of their messages went into spam, they could tell you to within a hundredth of a percent. Why can't you? But ultimately the machine remains the same. Every time a hiring manager wants to hire, they, are, they proceed from square one with a list of people who happen to be looking at a job board the month that your job posting goes out. The process from business need to offer acceptance takes months. It, it demands recruiting throughout the baby with the bathwater every single time, telling sick, second place candidates, thanks but no thanks, the same email they give to people who couldn't spell their name right in the application. The process is broken, but you're the solution. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. And you are the solution that you are bringing and supporting an idea that recruiting is about relationships. We mentioned this last time. We're diving in deep now. Let me ask this question. What if you collected candidates and applications before you needed them? If you knew that the candidates you were talking to weren't looking for a job this second, meaning like they were ticking time bombs. They had a fuse on them. They could go off at any time. You had to act now. What if you could just build a list of people who are great, feed them information, teach them about your company so that when the time was right, you didn't have to say, uh, hey, here's a job. I posted it to a thousand people. Hopefully you get one. But instead say, hey, 
when I say you'd be great for this job, I don't mean that in a spinny way. I mean, we've, we know each other now. You'd be great for this. And I think this feeds your need for blank and blank and blank. Maybe we should have a conversation. It's not sorcery. It's not some sort of magic of workforce planning or precognition. This is all about building relationships. And they're building relationships with people who you're not going to hire today, which <laughs> boggles some people's minds. Yeah, they're not going to convert today. They may not convert next week. In fact, here's a secret. They may never convert. But in making relationships now, you create the opportunity for great candidates down the road. You create the opportunity for advocacy down the road. This is, if you were in sales, this isn't a new idea. This is just how it's done, right? It takes time getting someone to learn enough about you and for you to learn enough about them. You make the match. And instead of trying to force the issue, do you want to buy? Do you want to buy? Do you want to buy? Take your time. Ask some questions. Let them ask questions. Share information. Put a drip campaign where you're feeding information to someone over time where they kind of get the sense of what you're all about. If they're interested, they read it. If they aren't, they don't. Simple as that. But you got to do it before the clock starts ticking, right? You can't plant seeds when you're hungry. You got to do it before you're hungry. You got to do it well before you're hungry. If anybody knows anything about planting and seeding and growing crops, you know, if you're hung, if you're going to be hungry in the fall, you got to plant them in the spring. It takes time. But what would all that look like from a recruiting point of view? Well, what if one or two hours of every recruiter's day, and I know that two hours out of a recruiter's day is a major investment. So let's start with one. Let's just focus on one. One hour out of every recruiter's day is spent purely, exclusively, not sort of one eye with one eye on Slack and doing the thing, exclusively talking to and engaging with interesting people with no agenda. If you're a tech recruiter, you're reading and sharing interesting articles about data science and you're sharing them with data science people and sharing them at data science communities. You're asking questions within data science communities. Maybe you're reaching out to people in that space who've made interesting comments or made interesting posts and saying, hey, uh, that was really impressive. I really, I learned a lot. That was super useful. By the way, I took that, that, that article you wrote and I handed it to my boss or I handed it to somebody inside the business and they loved it. Just wanted you to know. There's no conversion there. There's no call to action there. You're simply engaging. It might mean following potential prospects on social media. It might mean answering questions on Quora to blind answers, right? It might mean collecting lists of great articles and sharing them to a small newsletter or small list serve. You kind of have list serve. How old am I? Like a list of emails of people you know and people you know get it and just kind of feeding them in mass. Right? I have a newsletter. It's got almost 2,000 people on it. I did it for free just by saying I'm sharing information. People show up. <laughs> if you wanted to hire an employer brand or person, you should come to me because I apparently know many of them and they listen and they read this stuff. And if they came from someone who subscribes to my newsletter, not to toot my newsletter's horn here because that's not what this is about, but you could at least say this is someone in the employer branding space who cares a lot about learning employer brand. They're committed to keeping their skills sharp. That's going to do you a lot more good than posting on Indeed or LinkedIn. Hey, I'm looking for an employer brand person. Who knows somebody? You go to where they are. You engage with them. You collect lists. You build relationships with people online. Now, recruiters are, should be comfortable building relationships. Generally, recruiters are people people, right? They're people who are good at the people stuff. I, not so much. 
And as part of that relationship building, recruiters should also be sharing content about the company. Two articles about data science and one article about what data science looks like at your company, that's, that's, a, that's fair. That doesn't feel like a spin. It includes blog posts and images and articles and white papers and whatever you've got hanging around that's useful. Not just spam, not just marketing, but useful. This isn't the same as sharing jobs. Sharing jobs is purely transactional. Do you want to buy a thing? I got a thing. Who wants to buy a thing? Let's go talk. That's a transaction. Sharing useful information to people who get value out of it, this is different. This is a long tail process. And connected to all this content sharing would be a way for people to raise their hand and saying, hey, I'm interested in getting learning about more about your company. Just make it easy for them. Just say, hey, if you're ever interested in talking about my company, just ping me. Don't make them fill out a form. You know their email address. You know their name. Go look them up on LinkedIn. You decide if they're worth talking to. You decide how you can help them. Don't make them jump through hoops. They're great talent. You know how I know? They're learning. They're actively learning. They're actively engaging with you. They're not there to just squeeze another nickel out of your salary. They're there to learn. They're the people you want to hire. It's not about getting applications. It's a process of turning strangers into leads and then warming those leads over time, helping the prospects understand what the company's all about before anybody ever even begins to say the word application or job. The result is amazing. You're building a pool of warm prospects that the hiring manager can tap as they need. Instead of saying, hey, uh, can you write this job posting out for me and share it and I'll come back in a month when you've got somebody I can talk to, it's about saying, hey, recruiter, I need someone who does this, who's super interested in that. Do you happen to know anybody? And you as the recruiter, if you're a recruiter or your recruiters who work with you, might say, I do actually. I've got two people I've been keeping warm for six months. I think at least one of them would like to talk to you. Can I set that up next week? You've just blown the hiring manager's mind. You've blown their mind. This is not so much that it's amazing. It's so much as it is you're giving them exactly what every hiring manager in the known universe would ever want. No one wants you to post a job. No one wants the recruiter to, to bang a drum on social media about this job and how great it is. No one wants that. What they want is for you to have a network of people that you as a recruiter or you as employer brand or person can tap to say, here are people who we've already kind of kept warm. Right? And candidates who's already seen the employer, van, employer brand video. They've already read the profiles of the managers who work there. They've already kind of followed you on LinkedIn. So they're keeping an eye on the news. They already know a couple people in the company. They already understand the research and the production you're doing. They've seen the awards. Maybe they've seen a, a simplified version of a benefits package somewhere. They're candidates who have built a relationship with the recruiter, who know what the company has to offer, and are still ready to engage. In sales... There's a term called a qualified lead. A lead is just anyone who raises their hand. And that person may have no money, may have no ability to pay, may actually not be interested, may have accidentally put their email address in the wrong form. Completely possible. The process of engaging with that lead turns it from a lead to a warm lead to a qualified lead. Sometimes, some places call it a sales qualified lead. That is, they've learned that this is a person who is able to do the job Right? If in sales, it's they are able to pay, they have a need that your product can satisfy, that there are no other objections, like 
it doesn't work on their system. They're all Mac and you only work on PC or something, right? That the company's big enough that it will create value that everybody can see. That is a well-qualified lead. And the fact that that person keeps talking to you means that they're actually really interested in this. A salesperson doesn't have to jam it down anybody's throat. They've made it clear what the value is. And there's another word we should kind of circle, value. They've made it clear what the value is and the, and the prospect wants more. Recruiting can be the same way. You can identify a lead. You can keep a lead warm. You can stoke their interest. You can qualify them over time so that when the time comes, the fact that they're still talking to you, even though they've learned all the good and the bad about you, means that they are ready to go. The knock-on effect isn't just that recruiters have ready-made candidates and that you know that kind of kills their or knocks down their time to fill number, which everybody wants. The knock-on effect is that they have a network within the industry, people they can tap and ask to spread word about a new posting, people who will speak positively and authentically about the company in a way that a recruiter never will be able to. If you want to reach nurses, you don't talk to a recruiter and ask them to talk about nurses. You talk to a recruiter who talks to nurses and ask the nurse to talk about it. The nurse talks to nurses. Nurses listen to nurses. They know a lot of nurses. If you've developed the network of nurses in this case, you're not a recruiter asking a thing. You're a recruiter who's connected with a lot of net nurses. And when you ask for a thing, nurses will go, yeah, this person actually knows what they're talking about. It, delimin- it just completely eliminates the cold outreach. And that kind of screams desperation, right? For most recruiters, that, or at least to most candidates, hey, we have this amazing job. I still get pings for jobs that, like Lotus Notes. Do they still make Lotus Notes? Apparently, someone, some government in North Carolina still uses a Lotus Notes platform, and they think I can help them because I put Lotus Notes on a resume 15 years ago once, like a fool, back when that was a thing. That kind of desperation isn't where you want to be. You need to develop the network before you leverage. You can't eat if you just planted. you got to plant months before you get hungry. And even if that recruiter can only fill one in 10 roles this way, it just makes your time to fill numbers so obviously lower. Imagine if you if you could knock a recruiter's time to fill number by 10%, there's not a hiring manager or a hiring manager leader who wouldn't dance a little dance if you could do that. That's a magic trick. That's a magic trick. Success only breeds success and recruiters will spend more time building relationships and less time pitching to strangers. So that one hour a day, because they've done this good work and they've built that network and their time to fill starts going down, they will be able to get two hours a day building that network, reinforcing that network. What does this have to do with employer brand? Ha <laughs> ha, nothing. No, wait, hold on, that's the wrong word. Everything. Relationships are incredibly hard and slow to build. You don't, you know, if you do it one-on-one, which is the right way to do it, it takes a lot of time. That's what moved us all to the ATS machine model we, we all live by today, unfortunately. But employer brand can facilitate content creation. It can ensure alignment towards a core idea, a core motivation, a core brand promise, and are well positioned to manage CRM, CRM systems that support that relationship-driven model. That is, employer brand thinking and relationship building go hand-in-hand supporting one another. You may not be, as the employer brand, or building those relationships, but you can build all the foundational work that makes building relationships easier, faster, more effective, more efficient. 
You can build the tools to help them keep track of those relationships that help them understand and builds the pool of information of things they can feed that candidate, feed that relationship to keep it going. You can be the support system to let the recruiter do the job they thought they were getting into in the first place. Relationships and relationship-driven recruiting may in fact be the, 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 maybe not the silver bullet, but certainly the polio vaccine, right? The, the thing that almost feels magic, that works wonders, but is still very, very, very real to recruiting and recruiting processes and recruiting processes that are broken. Recruiters will be happier and more effective focusing on building relationships, the thing they want to do anyway. Their time to fill kind of numbers will drop, which are positives for both the managers and the candidates, by the way. Shorter time to fills, that's super positive. If the candidate says, hey, I didn't have to jump through hoops to do this thing, they're going to say really nice things about you on the review sites, right? And everybody ultimately will have a far better sense of what working there will be like, right? Everybody will... You can't just say, hey, this is a company that's great to work in because that's bullshit. You can say, these are the things we value. This is what the working culture looks like. Here's seven examples of what that means and what that looks like. Here's a story about when we say this value, here's how we've sacrificed for that value, thus making that value feel far, far, far more real. That takes time. That means how, that's really how you build that relationship. That's what it's there for, right? And don't forget about the network effects. Knowing if you have a network of 20, I don't know, not 20, how about 200 data scientists who are on your list that you're feeding, maybe you want to hire one of them or maybe you want to say, hey, does anybody here know someone who'd be great at this kind of data science? It's a really kind of niche data science or really has a niche kind of experience set or tool set. Do anybody know someone like this? Again, data scientists know data scientists. They can say, hey, friend, you might want to take a look at this job. I've been talking to this company for a while. I think they're pretty cool. That line from a network that you stoked from that relationship you've built is about 4,000 trillion times more effective and more valuable than the recruiter outreach that you're doing today. I'm just saying. I haven't done the math on that. It's possible my, my, de- my decimal has moved a little bit one way or the other, but that's what everybody wants. Candidates want it. Recruiters want it. That's what we want. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for recruitmentmarketing.com for sponsoring the season. Um, join the newsletter, employerbrand.news, whatever. Uh, I will see you next week when we're going to talk about narratives. Narratives are fun. Bye. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.